Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Around the world in 80 days again. I'm Lizzie B. And I'm Alfie Parker. And we're joined, as always, by our darling doggy diva, co host, travel buddy, and fur baby, Little Miss Dolly, who's literally just woken up. So that was perfect time. Good. She kind of she rose up, <laughs> she and did. scratched, and that was scary. And for this week's episode, we've been pottering around Stoke on Trent for the past week on the third stop of the Sister Act UK tour. So, in case you missed the first two episodes, in this series we're going to be exploring the UK and Ireland's wonderful arts history and culture as we make our way from city to city with Sister Act. How's this week been for you, Alfie? The week's been good. I like Stoke. The last time I was here, granted, was on the tour of Kinky Boots. It wasn't the best time for me, but Stoke is a place I enjoy and it's nice being here and the theatre is nice and yeah. It's it's a a good good week. week. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I've just kind of like written down a few bits to mention that kind of tie in all the things that we've talked about so far that are kind of important to chat about when one is touring. So we travelled by train and that was fine because we didn't travel by train. Then we got the car. Scrap that. So did we? Yeah, Amber drove us. From Hull? Yeah. Right. Right, rewind. (laughs) So it was a bit of a luxury for us getting here because we actually got a lift, didn't we? We got a lovely lift uh, in a lovely car. Uh, from Hull to Stoke by our lovely friend Amber Kennedy, who is in the show with us as well. Alfie's worked with Amber before. I have worked with her before. I worked with her on Joseph just before COVID-19. And she's lovely. So when I found out she was doing this as well, I'm going to be on tour with me for another year. I was very, very excited. Yeah, it was lovely because as we spoke about last time, Dolly had some really nice uh, doggy daycare in Hull. So we went and picked her up from there. And then Amber drove us to Stoke, which... It was like two or three hour drive. Yeah, it was really, really kind of her because it's it's less hassle. We can, you know, shove all the stuff in the car and just be on our way. And I think especially because we had to pick Dolly up, it just made it way easier for us. So thank you, Amber, for the lift. It was very kind. Thank you. And thank you for stopping off for Greg's. That is obviously key information. Amber did stop off. I asked her to swing a left. We went to Greg's, which if you don't know, is a lovely chain bakery that they normally have at service stations and in your local town centres. Sausage roll. Vegan sausage rolls for me. Pizza slice. They've got it all. So I recommend that. So basically, Alfie had the best journey ever. (laughs) Now, I think the audiences here have been the best they've been on the tour so far. Yeah, I agree, actually, 100%. It's just, they're just reactive. They're up for it. Rowdy at times, Mm -hmm. a little bit. But that's fine, like, respectful rowdy. Just really engaged in it and not afraid to kind of... Sometimes in audiences it takes one person to kind of go, woo, for the audience to kind of relax a bit. But here, from the get-go, they've been really loud and vocal, and I think that just then sets the tone for the rest of the evening. Yeah, definitely. No, really, really enjoying it. And um, the theatre staff have been lovely. And Dolly is allowed at work here, which is the best part. And everyone's been really, really lovely to Little Miss Doola. 
our accommodation as well. So Stoke was another place that was quite difficult for us to find dog-friendly accommodation. And what's really nice is that on Facebook, there is a community of like pet-friendly theatre digs people. And I'd kind of done a bit of a shout out on there saying I was struggling to find somewhere and someone dropped me a message and said, I stayed in this place before. They don't advertise it as dog-friendly, but if you drop them a message and explain, they should be happy for you to stay there. So I dropped them a message and we got it booked. And it's lovely, isn't it? It's like a converted garage, which is attached to someone's house. And we get the bus in and a taxi home. And the taxis have been brilliant as well, haven't they? The taxi has been epic. We've had the same man. Who's called Alfie. Who's called Alfie, of course. We've had the same man every evening. It looks like we've got a chauffeur. Yeah, it does. And he's there and he grabs our bags and he puts them in his boot. And it's. I feel like a bit of a star, to be honest, I won't lie. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Absolutely. But yeah, I think the city is probably the most dog-friendly place we've been to so far. And people love Dolly. When we get on the bus, everyone is like chatting away to her, just saying what a good girl she is. And she can come pretty much everywhere. So we're having a really, really lovely time in Stoke. The only thing I would say about Stoke, which is maybe a slight negative, but this comes from a place of love, is that I wish that their town centre had a bit of love in it. Yeah. Because the vibe, everyone's lovely in Stoke, we're having a lovely time, the theatre is great, but their town is just a little bit, it just needs a big kiss, really. I think it needs a little, a little bit of money put into it, because everything's closed down. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame, because it's such a nice place. Yeah. I mean, even, we've, we've got a Morrison's local near our digs, and even then, every time we walk past with the dog... They and, come out with treats for us. They have little dog treats behind the till, and they have they stop, and we have a chat for like 10 minutes, and I've really got, kind of got to know there mm-hmm. which is such a silly thing but there's, there's that real sense of community in Stoke and it's a shame that their town centre doesn't have a big boom in life to it I know it is a shame because we're loving it yeah absolutely my, my favourite venue to date I would say yeah me too so a bit about the theatre I did a little bit of research oh yes so we are at the Stoke Regent Theatre which is right in the middle of the town centre which if the town centre was a bit more booming would be really useful because sometimes when you go to cities and the theatre isn't in the town centre it's really hard if you need to like pop to the shop and grab something to eat or something like that so in essence this would have been a really easy week but nothing's really open which is annoying but the theatre's lovely so I did a bit of research these were two things which I didn't research these are things which I love about the theatre anyway and I remembered from last time the yellow seats. Yes. It's so cool. It's such a unique thing for that theatre that the seats are yellow. I think the other theatre where it's really lovely is Nottingham because that's green and it's kind of like that Robin Hood-esque kind of feel. But the Stoke Regent is lovely because the whole design is kind of like pottery themed, which I'll talk a bit uh, more about in a minute. Stoke's very famous for its pottery. And so it's these gorgeous yellow seats when you look out. And then the ceiling above the auditorium has a Wedgwood pottery design to kind of like tie it all in. And it's just really thoughtful. I love when these theatre designs kind of like have a bit of thought behind them and they're unique to the city and kind of like tie in that city's history. It's just really nice and it makes it more interesting for us. You know, obviously when we're doing the show, the lights are down, we can't see all of that. But when we're going in on day one and we're teching and we're doing sound check and all of that, we can see those seats and the ceiling and all of that. And it's just really lovely. Also, when you're on stage and you look out and it's yellow seats, it looks like you're performing to either a bunch of minions or the Simpsons. Uh, Either of which would be lovely. Would be great. 
I think they'd all enjoy Sister Act. Minions, 100%. Yeah. All eat their bananas. Especially when they're watching Gru on stage. Gru. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie looks like Gru. Anyway, so this was what I researched. The theatre was constructed in 1929, and it was originally a cinema, and it was only converted to a theatre in 1999. Really? So as a theatre... It's actually quite modern and it was completely demolished and then rebuilt as a theatre. Do you know what the cinema was called? Because obviously you get the chain of every man's It was still called the region. Every man's different. That's a different place. What am I thinking about? Cheltenham. Right, well, we've not been there yet. So. It's called the Stoke <laughs> Regent. Right. Yeah, carry on then, my Ignore love. him, everyone. I normally do. Yeah, it's called the Stoke Regent. So it was the Regent Cinema. Oh, right. And then it was really good as a theatre. Oh, dear. Sorry, yes. Welcome to my life, everyone. It's honestly hard work. Oh, no. You need to stop laughing now. Uh, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. So, Stoke as a place. (laughs) Stoke as a place. Where is Stoke? So, Stoke is in Staffordshire in the West Midlands which is pretty self-explanatory. It's just the Midlands is basically the middle of England. And it's hilarious for us being from the South because Stoke seems northern to us. Yeah, because we're so far south. I think once you're south of London, anything north of London is the north, in my But actually, it's literally the middle of the country. It's in the middle of the land. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? The Midlands? Lizzie is flirting with me now. Yeah. The West Midlands. And as I was uh, saying earlier, and Alfie will talk a bit more about this later when we do our little Dolly segment, Stoke is home of the UK pottery industry. So that's what Stoke is really, really famous for. And a lot of people will refer to Stoke as the potteries. And we always like to do something pottery themed when we're here, don't we? And you will hear more from Alfie Parker on that later. So we wanted to do a little feature this week and we thought it would be really fun to discuss orchestras because I sort of don't really know what people imagine happens with that department. We've talked about it before, about how it's not just us who move around the country, it's every department. And yes, we do have an orchestra that moves around with us as well. And it's not recorded music. They're playing live every single night, just as you would get. Are you yawning? Under my breath. Trying to be oh, sorry to bore you. No, I'm just yawning. It's been a long week here in Stoke. I got muddled up with where I was a minute ago. I'm getting old, Lizzie. <sighs> sorry, everyone. So, yeah, we're discussing orchestras, which clearly Alfie finds boring, but I <laughs> No, I don't find it boring. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're discussing orchestras. Because, no, we don't use recorded music. We have an orchestra that tours around with us. And they're lovely. They are top-notch. Alfie plays poker with most of them. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we, we play poker sometimes, normally run by Harry, who's the assistant musical director. The band are normally up for a game of poker. Normally we mix kind of cast and crew, which is fun. I should say, actually, here, the actual theatre put on a poker night. Yes! Yeah. So talking of poker, on the notice board at work was a piece of paper that said, Thursday night after the show... Uh, at the pub up the road, we're going to put on a private function for us, which I think is lovely 
that's so rare. And this is what I mean about Stoke. I feel like they have a real understanding of what it's like for people to tour there. Like they made us feel so welcome and to go to the effort of putting on an event for a touring company, I just think is the loveliest thing. There was food and everything, wasn't there? Yeah, so like we sat down and they had a proper poker table and the drinks, yeah, we paid for because it's in a pub, but it was only us in there. Uh, The chef came out and dished out pizza and chicken nuggets and Chef even tapped me on the shoulder and said, I love the show, I saw you in it. That's what I mean about that community feel there. And apparently I was chatting to one of the general managers at the theatre and he said, during panto season, that pub is pretty much just theirs. Like, they go there after the show every night and they put on stuff for them. It makes me want to do panto, it makes me want to yeah, go back to Yeah, and Stoke. I think especially in somewhere like Stoke, where, you know, that centre of the city is struggling, the theatre must be bringing in so much football for those businesses. Mm as well I just feel like here there's a real mutual benefit for everyone and it's it's understood and it everyone is kind of like helping each other and banding together and it's just really lovely yeah. so that was a bit of a segue because we're actually meant to be talking about the orchestra sorry about that but yeah we have a whole orchestra that tours round with us so we have a musical director and an assistant musical director what tends to happen especially on tours now and actually a lot in the West End is that the musical director will conduct the show but also play the piano and then the assistant musical director would then play what is known as the keys two part and I know from talking to both of them that actually sister act is one of the most complicated keys two parts of a musical it's very piano heavy so it's a really complicated job for the musical director and then the assistant musical director if he is musically directing because you know they're focusing on conducting us and playing the piano, keeping the orchestra in time, keeping us in time. You know, it has to be such a strict, consistent, well-oiled machine in terms of that department. So, yeah, the orchestra tour, exactly like we do, booking their own digs, travelling, all of that stuff. And we're talking top-notch musicians. The supervisor of all things music and orchestra is a man called Stephen Brooker. Some people might have heard of him. He's worked a lot for Cameron McIntosh. He's kind of as good as it gets, really, for music in musicals in this country. I've had the pleasure of working with him on a one-to-one basis when I initially did a recording of The Life I Never Led, which I sing in the show. And it was honestly so inspiring to work with him. He can hear everything in your voice. He can hear everything in a piece of music. In rehearsals when we were singing in harmonies, he would know if someone was a beat behind or wasn't quite on their harmony. He just has an amazing ear. And there's something called a fixer. And her job is to kind of put a group of musicians together who she thinks will be good for the show as well. So she works alongside Stephen. And so we have this top-notch group of musicians who come around with us. They have a really hard job, actually, because as much inconsistency as we have, I think they have more, because at some theatres, we don't even have an orchestra pit. Yeah, so, you know, some theatres you'll go to, you can look down into the pit and see the band, you know, and they're really part of it. Some theatres, they're, they're all completely remote. Some theatres kneel while he's conducting, and the rest of the band is somewhere else. Yeah, so I think when we go to Cheltenham, oh, there that, won't be a pit. That's Cheltenham, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When we go to Cheltenham, 
we won't have a pit. And normally it's because either the theatre is very small or the show has sold so well that they've had to add rows of seats in and take the pit out. And I think in Cheltenham, they're going to be underneath the stage. Is that right? Yeah, so they're, they're all going to be directly underneath us. So strange. So it's kind of like worst case scenario for everyone involved because we then only get Neil, the musical director, on a screen and he only gets us on a screen. And then the band are kind of only hearing us in ear for... It's, it's, all, it's kind of like the worst case scenario for everyone involved, but it's the nature of touring and I think it's probably harder for them than it is for us. Yeah. But yeah, when we only have Neil on a screen, it's so hard. I mean, even just thinking of the end of my song where I have that long note and that cut off at the end, I rely on being able to see Neil. And kind of when we only have those screens, it's just kind of like you do the best you can and fake it till you make it kind of thing. But um, the most crucial time really for the band in each venue is sound check which we do on the first day of each venue. So it's kind of a well-oiled machine at this point, but essentially they will turn up earlier than us and have a full sound check just for them, where they'll play through any of the key moments of the show as a band or an orchestra. And then later on, we will go and join them when we have our microphones on and we kind of check that all the levels are okay and all of that kind of thing. Obviously, in, in musicals, sound is a hugely important part of it. And when they are in different places, in a pit or remote, in different venues, the sound can change massively. So we kind of sort all of that out. But yeah, I think there are some shows that don't tour bands and orchestras. Yeah, I know Madagascar, the musical. Yeah, it's all to tracks, isn't it? It's all to tracks, yeah. So we're very lucky that we have a live orchestra every single night because you really are getting that kind of West End level of show on tour. And I have to say, Neil MacDonald, who is our musical director, is the best of the best. I think he's probably the best musical director I've ever had. He's great. He really, he really is. And he knows his stuff and really cares about the show and the music. He's very passionate. A lot of MDs are, of course, you know, but Neil really has that really good balance mm. of being your friend and then telling you if, if, if you're not doing something yeah. right or, or if it's something that we, we can do better. He's incredibly open to having a conversation with you and he's very approachable and just, yeah, great. And I think the moment that I kind of saw where his absolute level of what sets him apart was actually in rehearsal way, way back many centuries ago when I was originally in rehearsals. There was one bit of singing in the opening of Act 2. I have this outrageously high bit of singing and there was this one note and I just couldn't work out where to place it. And he was like, oh, why don't you do this? And I thought, oh, my goodness, got me with singing as well. Like, that is so rare. Obviously, they can teach you the notes, but the actual kind of, like, technique side, he's brilliant at. So, yeah, he's just an absolute joy. Yeah. Anything else to add about the orchestra? Yeah. Something I would like to say is about depths. Yes, this is interesting. So, you know, as a touring production, or any production, You'll have covers for roles and then swings to cover the ensemble, as well as doubling up and covering principles, etc. But in the band, you have depths. So let's say that your band consists of eight members. Those eight members of the band will tour together with the show. But if they want a day off or have an NA... We can't just go, oh, I'm going to take a week's holiday or... 
I'm going to have a day off. Whereas they can, they're on, they have a completely different union and completely different contracts to us. Yeah, they could say, oh, I need Friday, Saturday off. And they go, okay. And it's their job to find a depth while having conversations with the musical director and I'm assuming the fixer. But it's it's their responsibility to find someone to cover. And I think hats off the depths because they'll they'll get sent material in advance of coming in to do the show, but they don't get a sound check. No. They can't say, Oh, can we run this? Because you can't. Because you can't you can't call actors in for that kind of thing. So I think hats off to them because that is a hard job. And you wouldn't know no. the depths that we have that come on help out at this are immense. You, yeah. It's it's a real level of like musicianship. Yeah, with a couple of pieces of music that you've been sent over four days before and be able to an orchestra, it's, it's, yeah, hats off. Yeah, I mean, can you literally imagine if you were called up and you were like, hey, Alfie, you know, you've never done Wicked before. In four days' time, can you just come in and be Dr. Dillerman? No. I guess the argument is, oh, yes, but they're sat down and they've got the music in front of them. Well, even if I had the script if in I had, my hand, yeah. I if would... I had the script in my hand and you said, go on and do that, I'd be an absolute hot mess. So, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's a bit about the orchestra. And as always, if you have any questions, you can send them in to us because, you know, we are in contact with all these people. We can kind of ask the relevant departments if there's any kind of burning questions that you have. And we'll give all the details of how to get in contact at the end. But... I actually think the orchestra is a really interesting part and um, there's quite a few kind of organisations here in the UK which help young emerging talent kind of get into musical theatre in the orchestra department as well. I know that National Youth Music Theatre, which is how I got my start in the industry, also hires young musicians to play in the orchestras for those shows and that's a really good kind of way to get into it and... um, yeah, we could definitely answer some more questions if you had any. I don't know why Dolly was just an absolute demon just then. She <laughs> just like whacked her head on the side of the furniture. Good but this is the nature of touring with a dog. And anyway, we're going to be talking about Dolly herself in a little while. But before that, we're just going to go to a short ad break. G'day. And welcome to an extra short preview edition of Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast that wished upon a star, but all we got was an Instagram full of Gaston selfies. And speaking of full of gas, I'm Aaron. Oh, and I'm joined as usual by the only one of us to survive Thanos the Snap, thanks to the Snapola scheme. It's Mr. J Wags. How's it going? Amazing. So glad to survive that Thanos. That's it. I hope it was worth the money. That was actually a little reference to Memphis. <laughs> yes. I, if memory serves me correct, that's about the payola scheme, about getting songs on the radio. Uh, oh, yes. Big, big, big payola scheme. Trust me. Oh, yes. yes. That's it. Anyways, guess what? What? We have another legendary Disney diva in the fuel chamber today. So it's this Aussie's deepest pride and greatest pleasure causing me to cave in wonder at the wonderful world of <laughs> Disney's Neverlander's career as we watch him rocketeer and bolt up there with an iron wheel and the g-force of a flying carpet that was found by some mini mouse and rat rescuers down under the sands of agrabah where we also found a true blue tony award-winning genie from today's chosen mousical so we made a wish for three names and out popped the marvelously magical and mythologically admired mr james munro eigelhart yay welcome to the torture chamber i can cross another dream guest off my list and die Oh my God. Okay, I have to say something. I have been on many, <laughs> many. I have been on many a show. I have been on many a show, 
and I have been asked to do intros for some of my favorite WWE wrestlers. Yep. And let me tell you, I can honestly say without <laughs> a shadow of a doubt, after 18 years of being in this business, that was the best intro I have ever heard mm -hmm. in my life. As a matter of fact, I need you to email that to me yep. so <laughs> I can show my friend this. I need to have that. I need to have that. I need to frame it. It is the most amazing intro I've ever heard in my life. I am so honored. That was literally the dopest thing I've heard ever about <laughs> myself. That is, that was fire. Absolute fire. Wow. And now I have a question. I did this with Julia Murney, because uh, as we learn on this show, I have the strangest DVD collection. When was the last time you watched this movie? <laughs> okay. That's the reaction I'm looking for. Yes. The last time I watched Beyond the Valley Dolls was probably about a year and a half ago. Oh, wonderful. Because uh, a friend of mine uh, made a joke. It was a twofold joke about Roger Ebert being, a, you know, you know, loved watching, you know, at the movies with Siskel and Ebert. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I think it's funny that a critic only wrote one movie. They're like, he didn't write a movie. I'm like, yes, he did. He wrote a movie. My father was in it. You know, my father, you know, played the, the black boxer in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's why he brought that's that's my pops. So I went back and watched it and just kind of went, there's a movie for its time. There's a movie for its time. Mm -hmm. I go, resent that. Totally. It's a <laughs> timeless movie and I love it. Anyways. Well, what's funny is there, it's, it's such a cult classic that it's yep. played like at midnight showings like all around the world. And you have to go into it with an open mind, complete open mind. And you can hear the full James Monroe Iglehart interview along with more incredible legendary guests on Thrush and Treasure wherever you get your podcasts exclusively to the Bloop Network. We are back with Around the World in 80 Plays. I'm Lizzie B, and that's... Alfie. Parker. <laughs> and this week, we are in Stoke-on-Trent. It is time for our favourite segment, What Did We Do? leave this to Alfie because this is his segment even though I actually could join you this week. I know. Normally it's kind of a daddy daughter trip uh, while Lizzie is busy being a star. <laughs> but, uh, Lizzie joined us this uh, this week. We went to Emma Bridgewater. This is the second time we've been there. Now I've got a bit of history about Emma Bridgewater. General bit of history for you about Emma Bridgewater. Uh, I should say it's a pottery centre. It was started in 1984 when Emma was looking for a present for her mum. Uh, she wanted a cup and saucer that said, I love you and I miss you on it. But couldn't find anything that actually met what she was looking for. Uh, so she had a vision about kind of pottery that was a bit more fun because before it was either kind of robust stuff or kind of classy china. So... She knew that to fulfil her vision, she had to make her own pottery, but literally didn't have a clue how to do it. And her friend pointed her to Stoke. And that is really how it started. That's a really cool story. And I think, actually, that vision, if you've ever seen Emma Bridgewater stuff, she's achieved it in, in Bucketfuls. Because mm. it is 
these really fun, funky, kind of like approachable designs. And the fact she said she wanted something that said, I love you, mum. She literally has a whole range of stuff you can go and buy for your mum. If, if you ever go there, that will, that will make complete sense yeah. to you. A little bit about Stoke, as Lizzie mentioned, Stoke is known for its pottery, hence why she was kind of pointed that way by her friend. And Stoke is built up of six individual towns and they are known as the Potteries. Great. So, about Emma Bridgewater. Well, first of all, it is dog-friendly, uh, so that is lovely. Basically, I'll give you a rundown of kind of what we did. We went there. We went into kind of the courtyard where you can see the Emma Bridgewater Centre, I suppose. And it's just amazing, really. It's like a kind of travel back. Even though it was only founded in like 1984, it feels so much older than that. Mm-hmm. We went there. There's a little cafe. We had cake. We had hot chocolate. It was very nice. We had lovely company, didn't we? Lovely company. We went with other members of the cast. And company. And company. Yeah. Of course. So, How could you forget Edie? Because I feel like Edie's part of the cast. I know. You know? Yes, our head of wardrobe, Edie, was there. Who uh, outdid us all with her painting skills. Her painting was pretty immense. We had Sherry, we had Laurie. And that was it. Yeah. Our little group of five. And Jolly, obviously. Of course. Uh, yes, so we went there. You go in, uh, you book a slot, and you get to... You get told the rules, I suppose, and then you can pick what you'd like to paint and everything has kind of a different price on it. You go there to decorate pottery that's kind of already been made for you. So you, There's no kind of, you know, throwing clay about. And it's just a good hour, an hour and a bit of once you've picked what you want to paint, of just relaxing, painting, almost kind of creative therapy in a way. It was lovely. So as I mentioned before in the episode, we've been there before. The last time I was at Stoke, I was kind of in the depths of my mental breakdown. Overshare, on Kinky Boots, I got concussion when I was on tour, and it left me with generalised anxiety disorder. And when we were in Stoke previously, it was quite bad. I didn't really have it under control 100%. But Lizzie took me there and thought it'd be a good idea. And I can confirm that I had a nice time, but Lizzie looked over and I was painting a mug, and it was completely black. I painted a mug black... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can laugh about it now. It was obviously <laughs> terrible at the time, but it's one of my favourite stories. I didn't realise I'd painted the mug black and I thought I was like doing space. And I was doing space. As in like outer space. Outer space. But the mug was just completely black. So it was nice to revisit and Alfie painted the most epic plate. We've talked about this in previous episodes. So people won't be surprised at what you did. Yeah, so I love Shrek, <laughs> as you know. I painted a Shrek plate. You know the beware ogre sign that he has in the swamp? Basically that. I did it freehand and I will absolutely send a picture to the Dropbox. We can get that out on Twitter. <laughs> it's um, so good. I was so shocked at how good it was. I Yeah, I think it's I think it's, probably, I think it's probably some of the proudest I've ever been at any of my creative work. And it can go with all our other Shrek memorabilia. It's going to be epic. Everyone's was great, yeah, actually. Yeah, they were really uh, good. Sherry made a really lovely bowl for her nephew. Laurie made a little bowl for dips. She said she wanted oh, some little yeah. bowls for dips. And yeah, Eden's was amazing. She did a cat bowl. She absolutely loved cats. Um, not the musical, the actual animal. And she freehand painted her cat in the middle. And it was so good. 
And then I made a little Halloween y plate, didn't I? Did. It was spooky. And I'm really excited to have that on display for Halloween. Won't be long before it's on display. So, yeah, we picked those up. So, once you paint them, you leave them there and then they chuck them in the fire. Chuck them in the fire. There's a proper technical phrase. Put them in the kiln. Yeah, that's that right. Not in a fire. Chuck them in the fire. Uh, and then they'll get sent to. Where are they getting sent to? Is that Cheltenham? Cheltenham will get them delivered. So. They'll look even better by then because they'll have been glazed. Whoa! But yeah, it's something that I never thought I'd enjoy. I know that sounds silly, but I highly recommend pottery painting. And thus far, actually, even on our podcast, I've been making things out of clay and I've been painting pottery and it's all very relaxing. Yeah. And actually very, very good for my it is. for my mental health, I think. Something I would like to explore. I recommend it 100% if anyone is feeling, you know, if, if the offer or the opportunity ever comes up to paint pottery, give it a go. Even if you're rubbish like me, it's just nice to spend an hour just being creative and not worrying about it and having something that's yours. And the good thing is that most of these places will have, but I used a lot of stencils and cut out sponges that made the shapes for me. So you don't have to be Picasso to go there and do it. They have a lot of things that can help you. And the other thing I will say is that Dolly was so relaxed throughout the whole thing. Like she literally slept under the table on Auntie Laurie's feet, obviously, because that's where she feels most comfortable. (laughs) And I think the fact that she felt so relaxed just told you everything you needed to know because the atmosphere was just so calm. Yeah, you're in a room and there's like, you know, 10 long tables in it and every and there's other groups of people painting their pottery and you, you could hear a pin drop at points. It was just so relaxing and the staff are lovely uh, across the board, you know, even in the cafe, you know, everywhere. Um it just adds to the whole experience and it's reasonably priced for what you're doing. And you, you know, on the on the bottom of your item, it says Emma Bridgewater, so you can remember where you did it. I think in terms of pottery painting, it's probably the best place in the UK that you could go to do it. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if, if the opportunity comes up to do it anywhere, you know, locally to you, you've seen a pottery painting uh, place, shop, and you, you're interested in going, just give it a go. Why not? And then, you know, you've got a memory there for life, regardless of if it comes out good or not. Yeah, know? exactly. And you've got, yeah, not just the memory of it, but the item itself as well. Yeah. Um, it was just lovely. So it was lovely for to be able to go back with Dolly because it kind of just shows how much our life has changed yeah. since last time we were there as well. And I think for you and tying it back into your mental health, Dolly has been a massive part of that journey. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've mentioned that on this podcast, but Dolly is my emotional support dog. In case you didn't know. Officially. Officially, I have a letter from the doctor because I thought it was very important and she has really helped me. Of course, you know, Lizzie has as well and support from my family has, but Dolly is just kind of a constant, you know. I think dogs are very important. Pets are. Yeah. That was very sweet. That's all, I, that's, well, that's, that's all I've got for what Dolly did. No, well, that was lovely. I think that was a lovely, like, positive note to leave it on. And I think, I think so. like, Stoke in general, you know, we're having a wonderful time and Dolly has been really, really involved in this week and we've been able to take her everywhere, which makes our life easier. I think it makes Dolly's week nicer that she can be with us. Not that, you know, when she has dog care, I think she's very fulfilled and she's with other dogs and she's stimulated, but she's a home girl really and she likes being with us and this week is just lovely for her to be able to come on little out 
outings and stuff is just really cute lovely memories for us definitely yeah so that's about it for this week's episode it does fly doesn't it Al it does here we go here's a pun for you next week we'll be tarting around Edinburgh yeah I like that that was good wasn't it yeah like a kilt yeah explain the joke (laughs) so be sure to tune into that episode we're so looking forward to Edinburgh aren't we we love Edinburgh Edinburgh's got memories for us as well do you want to tell them why nah we'll save that for the next day you might forget though I won't I don't think I'll forget basically Alfie asked me to be his girlfriend in Edinburgh five years ago it's very cute (laughs) yeah now we're like engaged and stuff so really cute Dolly's been to quite a lot of Scotland, but she hasn't done Edinburgh yet, so that'll be really nice. But anyway, you can find us on all social medias. Mine is Parker Alfie. I'm on X. I'm on Insta. Not that I'm any good on any of them, but at Parker Alfie is my personal. I've got different names on different stuff, but I'm on all of them. You'll find me. Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie B33 or 101, something like that. Help and the shows is at 80 Plays Podcast. Did you know that you can purchase our theme song? Blue Skies by the Australian band Walken. That's right. You can help support our show and hear the full track. All thanks to Drew and the boys of Walken. We're truly grateful for the support. So if you go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore, right at the very top, you'll see our logo where you can buy your own MP3 of Blue Skies, which will help us fund this epic adventure across the UK and Ireland. Plus, we can buy Dolly some treats along the way. And we would also love you guys to email in any questions you might have. We have an email address for you to send those questions into. It is 80playspodcast at gmail.com. 80playspodcast, all one word. And with the social medias, we're on all of them. Yeah. So you'll find us, basically. Hit us up. Hit us up, yeah. Hit us up, my Gs. Oh, no. So embarrassing. It's probably good that we're finishing now because Alfie has gone feral. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. We're honestly loving every single second of doing this. And it's so nice for us to kind of have this permanent memory of a um, tour. Yeah. And remembering all the amazing stuff we've done. So I hope you're all enjoying it. We will see you next time. And in the words of Che, good night and thank you, Emilio. You've completed your task. What more can we ask of you now? Where